0: Jonathan, cue that cool transition. The Bits. From Homeworld to Beach City and all the cosmos in between, this is The Bits, a Steven Universe podcast. Wonderful intro. Why, thank you. I just made it up in the conversation we had earlier.
1: Yeah, the conversation you'll never hear.
0: (laughs) I mean, they could. We were running really weird audio checks for 20 minutes, so they could totally have that included.
1: Oh, shoot. It was 20 minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody, to basically what we've been doing of Jonathan and Sam talking about Steven Universe, the Steven Bombs, only this time it's in audio-only format, so you don't have to watch us awkwardly fidget.
1: Yeah. Also, it's easier to do, do this when we're in separate places and stuff, and also... Doing video is kind of hard, especially for a long discussion. Totally. So,
0: if you're new to this and you want to check out our old discussions on Steven Bombs, you can click on, I don't know, Cookie Cat and Onion's Head here for those two videos. I think that's as far as we're going to go with visual cues on this one. So, if you want to put your device down and plug those headphones in, I think we can get started. Yeah. So, the latest Steven Bomb came out this week, and it consists of five episodes, Lion 4 Alternate Ending, uh, Dug Out, The Good Lars, Are You My Dad, and I am my mom, in all caps. And we're going to start with Lion 4 Alternate Ending.
1: So... What did you think about this episode?
0: Well, I took my notes in uh, before and after viewing. So I can go ahead and start with my before notes. Uh, The first one being, wait a minute, am I caught up? Oh gosh, I'm not caught up. I didn't watch Room for Ruby. Oh man, how do I watch Room for Ruby? And I googled it, found it, watched it. And after that thought, I thought, okay, now that I've seen that, and I've had my heart broken by Navy. I can say I'm ready for Steven Bomb. And with the Lion Four title, I realized I don't remember Lions one through three. Like I know, oh, yeah. I know we watched them, but I didn't remember what vi- episodes it was. So I was like, I'm guessing this is a plot advancing episode. Hmm. Uh,
1: after because all the no. oh, go ahead. Because all the other Lion episodes were. Uh, episodes dealing with, with robes and such. Yep. Uh, so,
0: <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Uh, watching the episode, I had a few afterthoughts that I thought you'd get a kick out of. The first one being, if no one draws Steven in Kingdom Hearts now that he's wielded a giant key, it is such a missed opportunity.
1: Oh, it's definitely out there. You already know. <laughs> <laughs> I.
0: Right. I didn't even have to Google it. I know somewhere there is a picture of Sora and Steven with their keyblades going into wherever they're going. Indeed. Now I'm imagining Steven with those big,
1: giant, goofy, floppy shoes from the first one. Oh. I don't think they ever, like, really got rid of the, the goofy shoes. They just made them a more subtle color in the second one. He wasn't dressed
0: like Mickey Mouse anymore.
1: But yeah, Now he's just transitioning into his Final Fantasy character clothes.
0: <laughs> oh, one day Sora will be in Smash. But we're not here to talk about Sora. We're not here to talk about Smash. We're here to talk about Steven. So, Jonathan, let's start. What did you think of Lion 4 alternate ending?
1: Uh, I don't know. It didn't really advance the plot much just like kind of submit some thing things within uh greg and rose's relationship mm-hmm. and i thought that that was neat uh overall i don't know it was it was a nice episode it was nice to see like I don't know. I we haven't seen like Stephen fully in the dumps about something. Just like ah, I need to find the next thing. I need to find my purpose. Just like, and then the resolution being like, you, your purpose is to be you.
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the title, once you've seen the episode, makes. I don't know. It makes sense. Like alternate mm-hmm. ending being the whole Nora Steven thing? Yeah yeah. And I had <laughs> I had one question that I think it's just a continuity thing, uh, that I wanted to ask you. Is there a reason that Steven can't like bubble his head to make a helmet or like walk around in a hamster ball when he's in line? Do his powers not work in line or
1: something that I've forgotten? Uh I don't know. I just I don't think he think, thinks about it. Steven doesn't think about a lot
0: of things. Steven does yeah, ask because... the questions a 12-year-old should be asking. Like, where did this giant pink lion come from?
1: I think he's tried to figure that out in the past, and then it's just gone like, ah, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, quick notes for this episode. Steven uh, finds a key uh, in lion that he's thinking, oh, what does this go to? And he's trying to explore and find his purpose, and he thinks that, oh, this key must have been sent for my mom, so it leads to my destiny. So he goes around with Lion to all of the uh, Rose-related places we've seen in the series, and then he realizes that it is a room where his mom just kind of threw away a bunch of trash she didn't need. Broken swords and doors, and a videotape that says Nora on it, and he's freaking out thinking he has a sister or like a split destiny and he has to figure out who Nora is. So he goes and demands that lion take him to the place where he belongs, where he hasn't been before. And lion takes him to a hill where he finds uh, Greg, his dad and playing the tape. It turns out that it wasn't a big destiny thing. It wasn't like a huge cosmic intervention. It was just in case Steven was a girl. And it was just another video from his mom to let him know that he was loved, and that all he had to do in life, all his destiny was was for him to be himself and to be Greg's kid and to be happy. Yeah. And it was a in super overall, cute. That was nice. It was nice. I like the yep yep. Uh, when. Steven is talking to Lion and like demanding that he take him to a place that'll fulfill his destiny and like let him be comfortable. He takes him to his dad. Like that's such a nice moment of like Yeah, you're wanting to feel whole and you're wanting to feel complete. Here's your family. Hmm. It was like, Oh, that that's nice. You Lion showed a little bit of care there rather than being his apathetic self. <laughs>
1: There's sometimes you, you go like, ah, oh, Lion, Lion knows, understands Steven. And then there's other times where you're just like, no, Lion's just, Lion's basically I <laughs> <laughs> From Cowboy Bebop. Only he's grown in size and power. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's I'd if no one could stop him.
1: <laughs> Good Lion's a big, big dog. We're... Or cat sometimes, <laughs> depending on the, the box short. <laughs> uh, very true, very true. I really
0: liked the way that this episode played with the idea of existential crisis and transcendentalism. Uh, meaning that Stephen is wondering about his place in the universe, and then he finds out... That there's a very thin line between finding where you belong and feeling like you belong and realizing that what he was meant to do was to live and he can live out however he wants and be happy because he's already done exactly what his parents expected him to do. Yeah. And it was just a nice philosophical balance of ideals of, hey, this is... a. Uh, a question of destiny and belonging, a coming of age story, but rather than Stephen have to grow and change, it was a very real situation that, hey, you're going to change into what you change into, but what's important is your mother gave up herself to become half of you, so you've already done enough, and that all she wants is for you to be a happy kid.
1: Hmm. And. You kind of like go back and forth on what you call it, your opinion on on Rose when she's like not there. Going through through these episodes, like I don't know, uh, from going from the previous arc of, yeah, Rose smashed <laughs> smashed somebody. Like broke their their uh diamond broke one of the diamonds and to no rose was a loving mother and she just had she did a thing that she had to do
0: i think it's interesting uh just talking about the extended steven universe here steven universe universe here whatever the terminology is uh I think it's interesting that we're talking about Rose shattering a diamond and it being a huge deal. But if we're thinking about it linearly, she chose not to shatter bismuth. So Mm -hmm. in that way, it kind of shows a regret of her action. Not a I've killed once, I'll kill again situation. But a I did this once, it was the wrong choice. So I'm going to learn and grow as a leader and as a gem light alien thing and not do it again.
1: See I see see that as a leading up up point to it, like bismuth going like we need this the smash gems and diamonds, and would you call it Rose going no, that's a bad idea, and being backed up again against a wall to where she had the bubble Uh, what you call it bismuth mm-hmm. and then that led up to the big con conflict, the one she couldn't hide from everybody uh shattering the, the diamond.
0: Right. I don't know. So I I think we got cool stuff mm-hmm. there.
1: Yeah yeah. There's a lot of like kind of story that we still need need to like be revealed and let in on.
0: Yeah, I I like the way that the lion uh for alternate ending kind of tied into it because it doesn't feel like it's a big mystery to be solved. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of feels like when you're a kid and you start hearing like family stories and then like as you get older and you become more age appropriate for the rest of the story, you get the rest of the story. And it feels like that's kind of what Steven's going through and so that's what the viewers are going through as well. That as Stephen matures and develops, he becomes more mature and ready for these stories. So more and more is getting revealed to him as he goes and he's just at a weird part in his life where he's ready to hear some of it, but it's not the part that he wants.
1: Yeah. I think And it, oh go ahead. Oh. What'd you call it? I think you get a lot of that from his interactions with with the crystal gems, where they, they go just like Hey, Steven, let's not... And then he's just like, Just tell me what's going on already. Right. It's it's very much that he, he wants there to be no more se- secrets between them. Although there's still more secrets.
0: And we'll be covering those secrets on the next episode of The Bits, a Steven Universe podcast. Thanks for watching, everybody.
1: Oh, we're rigging it up like that?
0: No, I'm, j- I'm joking. We're, we've are we only done one one episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just leaving mysteries to people. Will we talk about the other four? Will we ever get a consistent layout for this podcast? Only time will tell. Even
1: I don't even know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, truly. But all that heartfelt stuff aside, I... I'm going to tell a messed up joke now. When Steven unlocks the door and he realizes it's just his mom's like trash room. And he says, this is just a bunch of garbage mom left behind. I said just to myself, oh, Steven, that's where you belong.
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no.
0: <laughs> also, I wrote alternative title. Steven takes his dreams to the dump. Or Trash Day.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. All fitting.
0: They can't all be pleasant, folks.
1: Yes. Did you have any any other notes on the episode?
0: Uh, I know you didn't want to do rating system, so I won't go like too into the numbers of it, but I did ratings mm. just in case we decided to, and this was one of the higher rating ones for the uh, Stephen Bomb for me.
2: Hmm.
0: It felt like it was a very uh, ready to go story. Like it didn't feel like it was a part of uh, like a big series. Like it felt like it could stand alone. I know Cartoon Network loves to uh, air Steven Universe in like three hour blocks with fun little titles attached to them, but I felt like this was one of those Mm -hmm. rare Steven Universe episodes that you could just turn on and watch. I feel that. So, any closing thoughts for Lion 4 alternate
1: ending? Uh. Um, oh, really? Uh. It was a ni- nice st- standalone episode. Uh. Fi- finding out more about Greg's and Rose's relationship is always nice. Uh. You kind of get an emulated, like, feeling from, uh, Steven. Where he's looking for answers and you're looking for answers, but the the like message of it is just enjoy enjoy the show as it as it is. You know, I
0: feel like this show does a great job of giving the audience just as much information as Steven has. Mm-hmm. There have been very few points where the audience know more than Steven there could be stuff inferred there could be connections made but we're never shown like after credit scenes where Steven and the gems have left the fight and then suddenly there's a new gem coming out of the surface or whatever like it all yeah. it all feels like we're experiencing stuff with the characters it feels like a very organic way to reveal information and to tell a story
1: yeah because when you're told told something in the series you you want it to be so, something that doesn't have have to be explained it has to be explained to the care character right <laughs> and not just like like a- anime conveyance where it's just like oh that's the the super move because the super move is this thing right we all need to know about the super move
0: i'm gonna throw another uh, cartoon series under the bus i feel like this was a big problem that gravity falls had that hmm. they were trying to satisfy a fan demand for information And so we got all sorts of like decrypted things and like secret codes and background information to where by the end of the story, I just felt like it was unfulfilling. Like the mystery had been taken out of it already because it was just us going like, okay, we're checking boxes here. We've seen Bill do this. We've seen Bill do this. This theory is confirmed. This theory is not. And I felt like, the fandom had outgrown the series to the point that the finale just seemed like it was
1: less storytelling
0: and and more of a list of just this is true and this isn't.
1: Yeah. I I think within that it was just like there needed to be harder puzzles. Like Uh Because I I get what Alex Hirsch was, was trying to do, he's trying because he enjoyed the quarter rings and secret code codes and stuff so you wanted to implement that into the series right but when you have like the internet <laughs> the super smart people get in already <laughs> and then just go like yeah here's the answers everybody <laughs> suddenly be sure to drink your
0: oval teams a little less satisfied. yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, and with that bashing of another beloved series, we've just lost all our viewers. So, for those of you still watching, let's move on to Dugout. (laughs) Jonathan, cue that cool transition. (laughs) The bits? (laughs) (laughs) I meant the music transition from the other video, but yeah, sure. I confused the the bits. Good gosh. Alright, so the second episode of the Stephen Bomb was Dugout. Jonathan, you want to start off on this one?
1: Gosh. I feel like I should have been more, more prepared with the episode guide.
0: <laughs> You're good, buddy. I got it all figured out. I can be the organized one for once.
1: Okay. So tell, tell me about the, <laughs> the Dugout. Good gosh. Well, as I. <laughs> As I pull it up on Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so...
0: For Jonathan pretending not to know what's going on, for the sake of all of our listeners, the dugout was uh, the second episode of The Stephen Bomb, in which Stephen and Connie go on an adventure with Connie's dad, the security guard, at the, uh... Oh gosh, what's it called? The, basically the pier at in Beach City. with all, yeah. Funland, that's it. Uh, yeah, Funland. And they're trying to catch a trespasser in Funland. And uh, they go, and they have a lot of goofy fun. And the dad, it turns out, Doug, the da- uh, Connie's dad is saying, Hey, I want you to think I'm cool. Because I think you're cool, Connie. And you get to go on all these big adventures. And I'm just your goofy dad. And Connie's just like, yeah, but you're my goofy dad who gives me a break from all of that craziness. And I know that you're my support system and always there, and that's super cool. So, Connie's dad realizes that his daughter loves him, and that he's cool in a different way. In the real way. And uh, they go, they figure out that the trespasser was Onion, or was it? Bomb 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 Yes, it was Onion. Uh, and then they all leave. Onion doesn't get in any trouble because they scared the snot out of him. And uh, then a shadowy figure is revealed. And we don't know who that is. There's two of them. Yeah. So, Jonathan, what were your thoughts on this plot that you totally took care complete notes on and remembered vividly and I just reviewed for the audience.
1: Hey gosh. <laughs> I do remember remember it vividly. Uh, I always I thought like from the start that Connie's dad was was just wonderful. <laughs> uh, like Agreed. Yeah. You only get bits and snip, snippets from uh, the other episodes. You never really really get uh, how how connie's parents that separately and you got uh connie's mom episode in the hospital yeah but this is the first time you you got to see connie's dad alone and i thought that was cool you you got him you got steven as green mario (laughs) (laughs) and what do you call it connie as discount store carmen san (laughs) diego oh i love those costumes (laughs) yeah and friggin' Steve with his <laughs> with his Italian accent, <laughs> Stephen being time. a racist little kid. <laughs> what was,
0: was his name? It was wonderful. Pizza Papadopoulos. Was that it? Yeah,
1: Pizza Papadopoulos. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> that's that's insensitive, Stephen. Stop doing
0: that. <laughs> Problematic Steven gosh all right so you dug the episode
1: oh yeah um just like the whole whole uh promotion around around the Stephen bomb was very much like hey there's gonna be something going down so it gave you a false sense that it was going to be some something super real and you're just like okay what's this thing they're about the face and then it was just, like, totally fine. It's Onion. Having a good, good time. And you're just like, what? Oh, also, my favorite line. <laughs> oh, no. The laws of gravity. Oh, yeah. Or when, physics. When she put it through the
0: flashlight. Oh, no, the laws of physics. Smack. I've got an idea. I'm going to throw it at an angle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was, just, it was yeah it was the best the whole, just them going around the Gravitron. it was amazing I loved it so much oh. also more shades of onions a criminal <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> the whole episode was delightful this one I actually yeah. did get my highest rating in all of the episodes in the Steven bomb
1: Mm, you you liked it that much.
0: Oh, yeah. I was a big fan of this one. Uh, my before-watching notes, when I read Dugout, I thought, is this a baseball episode, like a rematch? Uh, dumb pun, but obviously it wasn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that That's definitely something you can like, think about by just hearing the t- title.
0: Yeah. I tried to guess what the vi- uh, episodes would be in my before-viewing thing, just based off title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Uh I said, uh, why do I feel like Doug is Connie's dad? Did they ever mention the name of Connie's dad prior to this episode or did I just see a spoiler somewhere and not realize it? And I don't know if they did or not, but the name Doug just for some reason clicked with me of yeah, this is uh Connie's dad. Hmm. As well as the nostalgia critic, but that's a different thing altogether. It's- and then I said, uh, since the last episode was plot, I'm guessing this one's going to be a fun episode about characters. And I was right. It was a fun episode about characters.
1: Yeah. <laughs> after watching it... it uh... Oh, did you have a point? Oh, I was just going to say and it, and it led up to the overarching thing of of this Stephen Bomb.
0: Oh yeah, big time. Uh, after viewing it, I said I don't remember Connie's dad being silly prior to this. Though I might be confusing him with the dad of the girl from Wee Bear Bears.
1: Uh Yeah, you're you're right. Uh what'd you call it? He wasn't wasn't that silly, but it's generally just because it's they only get the emotes so much, right? And their emotion was like, "Oh my gosh, you're freaked out about Connie doing stuff." <laughs> right.
0: And I remember the, uh, snowed in time travel episode. And, uh, I remember him being concerned about Connie's safety. And I thought, is this just, like, a, like, a retcon of the character? But then looking back, I thought, no, this makes sense. He's silly when his daughter is in, in danger. Like, okay, good dad. Yeah. Uh, so... Jumping ahead to the end of the episode where I said Steven Universe has done a great job not doing like after credit scenes. We get an after story kind of scene with uh, the two shadowy figures. And there's a little one and a big one. And when the first little one appears, I straight up thought it was a shadow in the shape of uh, Dora from The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy with the Pandora's Box episode. I was just like, that's just, that's what that character looks like And then the other one pops up And I was like, that's Cinderblock from Teen Titans Why am I in 2004? And, uh So, the whole time before we get any sort of character reveal later in Steve Bob, I just referred to them as Dora and Cinderblock Just in all of my notes, so When I'm reading that, don't be confused
1: I, I won't because like those are kind of like essentially yeah you're you're on the mark <laughs> with those descriptions
0: uh for all the confused children uh that are watching this that weren't watching Cartoon Network in the time uh Grim Ventures Ability is the show about the kids that are best friends with the Grim Reaper in one episode they do Pandora's box but they call her Dora and you can google that and then Cinderblock from Teen Titans, is just Google Cinderblock from Teen Titans, he's a big Cinderblock monster. Uh, <clears throat> my next note was that this show has extremely emotionally supportive and available dads. Yeah. Like, Greg and Doug are both, you can tell, like, they're still playing with the incompetent dad trope, but they're kind of subverting it in a way that the fun silliness only is there when there isn't something to be done Mm. like i felt like doug's character being developed here is very much saying that if there's no reason for him to be serious he's not going to be like he (laughs) likes to have fun with his kids he likes to let connie and steven just enjoy being young and just having fun and he wants to be cool in the eyes of his daughter but when it came time to like protect them he was like okay jokes are over fun's over i'm security guard let's do this
1: yeah and uh you get a little bit of diversity between between the dads with uh uh the fish fishermen and you you got pizza dad whose name i can't remember oh yeah but yeah he's He's more angry, and then, like, once he settles down, he's more just like, okay, I was in the wrong. Yeah. And then you have Burger Dad, whose name I also can't remember. (laughs) His
0: name's not Frybo, but I think, wait, no, is it Fryman? All their names are
1: fry puns. Yeah. So, most likely... I don't know, I'm gonna Google Uh, it, so I'm not being mean.
0: Though I am straight up googling Fry Dad Steven Universe, and it's got no. But
1: cast list won't help.
0: <laughs> His name
1: is Mr. Fryman. Okay, Mr. Fryman. His name is P. D. Fryman. Ha. Google knows. Yeah. So, you get you get a diversity in the attitude to the dead. It's just, uh no, I, I feel like Steven's dad and Connie's dad are are fairly similar in, in, like, their goofiness. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like
0: Doug is a bit more tied down to reality than Greg is. Greg's a bit more of a dreamer character. Yeah. Because he's kind of like the wandering minstrel that's kind of settled in town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Doug is kind of, like, I was a dreamer, but then I had to do what I had to do for reality to protect my family and provide and all that.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that.
0: But he hasn't lost his spark of imagination.
1: Yeah, and uh he definitely, like, encourages it, it with uh Connie and Steven.
0: Oh, totally. He's, like, in full support of, like, not just them having fun, but also, like... Just them getting to think, and he gives them opportunities to, like lead the adventure, and he gives them times like give input of like what could this idea be, like what could be causing this problem, and I just feel like he's a very good adult character that he respects the thoughts and opinions of the kids.
1: Yeah, he's totally support supportive as a dad. And he was a good character to center this episode around. Definitely. I totally want to see more Doug.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got a point down at the bottom. I compared both episodes uh, with Connie's parents, the hospital episode and uh, this one. <clears throat> and uh, both plots were very similar. Like, mm-hmm. the kids are putting in it... Uh, the, they go to do the parents' job with them, and then they... Uh, have to figure out a mystery of like who's causing this thing and with connie's mom being a serious character the plot's played seriously but with connie's dad being
1: a fun character the plot's made just for fun
2: yeah
1: uh, oh oh what do you call it you keep on going mine's is more like a, a a fun thing that they they put in the background go for it uh well while they're grilling grilling onion Ha! Grilled at, onions. Yeah. <laughs> you You can look at the, the back wall, mm-hmm. and there's the uh, Buck Dewey drawing of uh, Vote for My Dad. Oh,
0: I saw that. And then there was the uh, Tiger Millionaire poster that Stephen drew.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are so cute. It was, it was a wonderful thing to add into the background.
0: Dark Alleys in Funland are perfect art galleries for children's art.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: Uh, One thing I did say about this episode in my notes was that it was an incredibly easy plot to predict, but when compared to the hospital episode with Connie's mom, which was also super predictable, I like this one better just for the tone. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Like, I don't think this show can really pull off the Gravity Falls-style serious mystery as well. Oh, yeah. Like, just with this one, it felt like I I always think of Steven Universe as we're having fun and then something happens not we're doing something to solve a mystery and we're having fun along the way. Mm. And that's what I felt in the hospital episode was they were more driven by uh, finding answers than they were having the adventure. I can see that. Whereas with this one, it was the opposite of we're in costume and making jokes and Connie's dad is throwing flashlights and it's just going to be great. Yeah. Also, oh, go ahead, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Mine's a dumb tangent.
1: What'd you call it? (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, what a coincidence. So is mine. Perfect. Uh, A lot of use of the flashlight. There's a lot of great... (laughs) My flashlight is the only weapon that I need.
0: (laughs) Any Doug cosplayers have to have that flashlight. It's just a rule.
1: (laughs) Just his trusty flashlight.
0: It's super just wonderful. Uh, My random tangential point was that the Gravitron, it was my favorite theme park ride when I
1: was a kid. I love this as well. Although now it just gives me slight slight headaches and I'm just like, ah, this is this is a thing for after I go, go on the roller coaster and then get on and then I I just throw up all that carnival food that I that I bought. <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't been one on oh gosh. I haven't
0: been on one since I was like eleven, but I feel like I don't know if this them being in that scene, I felt like it encapsulated the ride perfectly. As, oh, yeah. As dumb as that sounds, it felt very real of, like, everyone's freaking out, everything's getting stuck to the wall, but then you look in the middle and the guy's not moving, he just looks bored as heck.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, uh, it, was... it was just good scene setting. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, Funland feels, feels like a real amusement park with its cheap kids sitting
0: in a machine, Zoltron and all.
1: Indeed. So, final thoughts for Dugout. Uh Doug's a great character. Uh let's See. <laughs> Steven's costume is offensive a bit. <laughs> <but> <laughs> Uh, the Carmen Sandiego costume was a nice touch. And the almighty flashlight. <laughs> uh, can we call her Connie San Diego? Oh yeah, Connie San Diego. That, that sounds wonderful.
0: <laughs> uh, my final thoughts are good character in Doug. Do more with him, but don't overdo him. And, oh, yeah. and I just realized that Doug out is a pun on stakeout.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I didn't think about it that hard. I just thought of it as, like, an outing with Doug.
1: Sam. It was kind of just like, oh, Doug out. Okay. It's it's a Doug episode. Got you.
0: Alright. So, we're going to go on to the next one?
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you want to confusedly say the bits again? <laughs> <laughs> gosh. Wait. You got to pause it space it out. The, the Bits. <laughs> oh, I'm never gonna get sick of that. Alright. But, uh, yeah. This time I have the description. <laughs> Radical. I'm gonna pretend
0: to be underprepared this time. I'm just gonna minimize my notes and let you go.
1: Gosh. The cool kids invite uh, Lars, Steven, and Shoot, I forgot her name. <laughs> <laughs> Sadie. <laughs> yeah, and Sadie <laughs> To to a party that they're having. And Lars has a deep dark secret. He can bake. So Steven and, and Sadie encourage Lars to bake something for the party. But he's too embarrassed about it. So, Stephen gives gives encouragement and they go to the party, but he never shows up. Because he died.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: That's not what happened in the good
1: Lars. I'm sorry. Indeed. But, yeah. And then uh, what do you call it? Stephen and Sadie are forced to endure the, the party of Adam and then they, they go, go home. You say endure, but they had a super good time. Oh, yeah. But what did you call it? Sadie at the start was very like, oh, gosh. I I need Lars here. (laughs) It felt like a very natural reaction. Oh, yeah. Definitely, because that's what it feels like to be in a a party with people you don't know. Totally. And then you finally get get adjusted to everybody in the room.
0: It's going to be interesting for kids that are watching this and don't really understand those feelings of anxiety yet or haven't identified oh, yeah. them within themselves, that when they get older and they go back in nostalgia watch Steven Universe, and they'll go, oh my gosh, I thought I was, like, Steven growing up, but it turns out I'm such a Lars. And <clears throat> I just think that this show will be interesting to watch kids grow up with.
1: Oh, yeah. And definitely it comes in handy in childhood, <laughs> because when you're hanging out with a friend, they, they go over to their friend's house and invite you over. <laughs> And you're oh, just totally. there <laughs> with with the people you don't know, and you're just just like, uh, I don't know. This episode will be like kind of like the icebreaker with within children's heads, and you just go like, Hey, maybe if I try to establish a connection with these people, it'll go a lot easier. Absolutely, I know you go
0: you go over to your friend's house, and. Suddenly you're over at their friend's house, and you don't know their friend, and then the mom's yelling because he didn't do the dishes, and then you're just sitting there awkwardly, and you're like, I wish I had a dog, but then you remember that this guy's allergic to dogs, Do you think, why am I so insensitive? And then you see a cat, and you think, oh, I'll pet the cat, but the cat won't come to you because it doesn't like strangers, and then you remember you're a stranger again, and then you just start screaming in your head, and everyone's screaming outside, and there's just screaming everywhere. I'm sorry, I lost my point. gosh. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> uh, oh, I lied by the way. This got my highest rating. This was a good Steven bomb apparently. Uh, this got Oh yeah. I'll go ahead and reveal behind the curtain now this got a five out of five. Cause oh, cool. it, it just felt like a very good standalone actual episode. Uh, my before watching notes I said looking at the title The Good Lars, Steven's adaptation of the good wife question mark? Gosh, yes. And then I said, now I know I'm confusing Lars and Robbie from Gravity Falls in my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I was just like, I wonder if they'll talk about why Lars used to be so happy as a kid. And I was like, wait, no, that was Robbie. Okay, never mind. And then I said after that, I hope this episode has Sadie. I like Sadie. And then I, uh, my guess for the episode plot was, I'm guessing a less fun story, but it's about driving the characters. I think in a way I was right about that one too.
1: Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> that's what a lot of the Steven Bomb was. It was just like, hey, we're not going to completely just do plot, plot episode, plot episode, plot episode. We're going to do like hints at a at a plot at the end in the character driven driven episodes. And yeah. that's that's how they more tied tied this one together. Oh, definitely. It felt like I don't know,
0: each episode felt very satisfying whereas in the past we've had like uh this crystal gems on uh Jasper and Peridot's uh, spaceship felt very cinematic. And then, like, the Sardonyx one felt very uh, sequential and connected. This one feels like they're all a lot of great standalone episodes with just oh, yeah. a background theme running. <coughs> uh, for this one, I, I kind of did, like, a stream of consciousness con- Oh gosh, consciousness uh, style of notes. So do you mind if I run through those real quick and then we just elaborate them as we go? Oh, sure. All right. Just because I think they're kind of funny all put together. First one is, Stephen feels the same way about pumpkin bread that Navy felt about pumpkin in uh, Room for Ruby. And then I noted immediately afterwards, Stephen should not be eating pumpkin bread. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that said, you Stephen saying that this is going to be great for our uh, intro to the Bits a Stephen Universe podcast podcast podcast. Uh, for the intro to the Good Lars segment, and I put a timestamp for when that was. Uh, it was at 2.10, by the way, just for when you're listening back to this. Okay. Uh, then I put in all caps, why are the cool kids so cool? Then in all lowercase underneath, I wrote, bingo bongo. And then yes. uh, after that was uh, a background gag that I noticed, that in Lars's kitchen, there's a picture on the wall of an AT-AT from Star Wars. And it says Lars, age 10, on it. So I said Lars was a nerd at age 10. Uh, After that, I said, why is a yam dish purple if yams are orange? Which, I don't know if yams come in different colors in different places, but every yam I've ever seen is orange. After that, I put in capsule again, why are the cool kids so cool? Yeah. Then I put singing Sadie with what looks to be 25 exclamation points. Uh, then I said the shadows being shown reminds me of the Cartoon Network Alien Week crossover event called Invaded from 2007. And I. Guess, oh yeah,
1: that's exactly what I was going to like compare this to.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, we're on the same track then. Uh, yeah. We can get to that when we get to it. And uh, my final note was that the whole episode felt very Night in the Woodsy. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Because, uh... Oh, go ahead. Uh, all these episodes feel very small-town-ish. Absolutely. Uh, this one felt specifically like the, uh, party
0: that, uh, they go to. We're talking about the game Night in the Woods, sorry. Uh, the characters go to a party, and some stuff happens that I won't say for spoiling that plot, because I'm just all over the place with tangents today, but... That scene and this episode felt very uh, similar in the feeling and tone that they were going to have of awkward
1: growing up parties. Oh, yeah. And, as you call it, I think this episode solidified uh, friggin' Buck Dewey as one of my favorite characters in the series. Yes. (laughs) Please, tell me more about Buck Dewey. Because what you call it, like, Buck Dewey's livery on everything, is just like slightly confused, and then okay, I'm all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I love like I love him mm-hmm. so much. All the cool kids are so cool. Yeah, uh, him walking in, and he's just like, "Hey, Buck, what do you want? I want you to go to my party." <laughs>
0: <laughs> you remember when he was talking about Lars, uh, when Lars wasn't at the party, and I thought, oh my gosh, just could go two directions of them, like, saying, man, Lars is a little weird, and, like, maybe him not getting in, but then him just saying, he said this funny thing today. What was it? It was so inspired. Oh, right, it was Bingo Bongo. <laughs> and then all of them just like, yeah, Bingo
1: Bongo's the coolest. <laughs> I
0: love it. Sour Cream just going, oh, yeah, Bingo Bongo, I like it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The cool kids are so accepting of everything.
1: Yeah, they're super supportive.
0: <laughs> Everyone should be like the cool kids and have friends like the cool kids.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, what'd you call it, later in the episode when they're all doing this the party song... And Sadie starts starts singing. They're just like, "Yeah, you, you got some pipes, girl." she's like, "Yeah, supportive um, school kids." <laughs>
0: that scene had me smiling so much. Of just, I was like, "Oh, Sadie's singing. She's embarrassed, but she's going for it." It's like potluck, yeah. And then she ends, and they're just all like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Oh, they're being silent because they're listening, not because they were judging. They're just so nice." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it he- so, so much. And even the point where, uh, Buck is explaining the potluck, and he's like, it's an ironic potluck. And they're just like, what does an ironic potluck means?" And it, then you find out, oh, it means we're broke teenagers, so we brought free pizza and cups. <laughs> <don't> yep. Think... <laughs> and then when Sadie brings in the plates, and they're just like, oh, sweet, plates, it means I don't have to do the dishes. Like that's the like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to someone who brought plates.
1: Yeah. Just They were super nice and I feel like that's that's a good example for people just like, yeah, I wanna be like the cool cool kids in Steven Universe. It's like
0: yeah. Everyone I, should strive to be the cool
1: kids. <laughs> I love it so much. Also, uh, what'd you call it? My my line for this episode was, uh, what was it, open up about your feelings, <laughs> or whispered. <laughs> uh, my line would be, what kind
0: of mother would I be if I didn't make a copy of all my daughter's keys?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a good one as well.
0: That was this episode, right? Or was it the next one? Oh, uh, what'd you call it? I think it might have been the next one. So yeah, like, it's the next one. That'll be my one for next one. My one for this one is, Lars said something th- this morning, what was it It's so inspired? Oh yeah, Bingo Bongo.
1: Gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I just, I want an episode centered around Buck Dewey so
0: bad. <laughs> oh. I want Buck Dewey to have, I want the cool kids to just have a whole Stephen Bum.
1: Oh, yeah that i would love that
0: <laughs> oh Gosh. one thing i wanted to talk about that super mm. cool shot that they did where you remember the trash can shot where they look uh, in and they just see uh lars's yam thing oh yeah and they're just like oh lars isn't coming and they're just like oh that was such a cool angle just as an animation nerd, I loved that just for, like, story advance and scene transition, and oh my gosh, it was so good. Mm.
1: And it was, it was well, well placed. It, it had the mi- misdirection of just, like, oh, Lars got, got here and then said he's, he wasn't coming to the party because he was too embarrassed. And then in, when in actuality, he had disappeared. Dun, dun, dun. And okay. So did Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: Sadie. That's the tagline for her character. Lars did something, and so did Sadie.
1: Yeah, but what'd you call it? Like, they complete each other, and also, friggin', I don't know. it it's a thing where, would you call it? Sadie's a lot less flawed as a character, so she she tends to fly under the radar some sometimes. Yeah. While well, like Lars is kind of a mess in areas, so every time Sadie does a thing, you go like, "Oh, that's nice," and then, what you call it? Lars does a worse thing, it totally washes it away. Right. <laughs>
0: Can we make a comparison real quick between the cool kids from Steven Universe and Wendy's friends from Gravity Falls? Oh, sure. Because I think the two character groups are interesting because whereas the cool kids in Steven Universe are kind of played up to be like super nice, genuine people that the whole Thing that Lars struggles with is internal anxiety rather than social pressures I feel like mm-hmm. the cool kids in Gravity Falls or Wendy's group or whatever they are kind of meant to be the societal expectation for teenagers like they're uh. all pretty much interchangeable except for their one characteristic one text, one's the whipping boy of the group and then there were others. Like, It feels as though the characters in the Steven Universe are an optimistic viewpoint of how individuals can work in a group and how that group can pull forward and enhance the characters. Whereas the characters in Gravity Falls feels as though they're a group of individuals that cannot function outside of a group dynamic and are therefore toxic for one another as much as they are beneficial
1: I can definitely see that sorry uh, I took uh, that uh, to a
0: dark place
1: huh. <laughs> um, what'd you call it Alex Hirsch writes a lot from a an experience of just like suburbia and pe- people who are, are weird and just don't don't mish, mishmash with each other each other well. Mm-hmm. While I believe Rebecca Sugar is creating a world where what did you call it? This Beach City is commu- a community. Where these people have to work together to to like keep the town ta- town together. Right. So that, that kind of rubs off on the kids kids a bit. And Lars is a bit of a rebel from that, where he tro he acts very differently, and and more vi- vi- violently than others, because like even in the earlier episodes, the cool kids weren't that bad. They're just like, uh, even in a uh, Rose, Rose Garden, they were just like, yeah, we're we're not gonna stop doing this thing because because we think it's think it's fun. That that was the wor- worst thing that they did and uh what'd you call it they're just like we don't like Lars because he's a mean guy <laughs> right so in in the overall like view of everything they have petty squabbles and stuff but since there's such a community and they kind of like work together to make this town town work or yeah the city work it's a thing where they can't really act act violently against each other. They're they need to work together, right?
0: And I think it's interesting just because it doesn't seem like those violent tendencies, those rebellious tendencies, are there as much. Mm-hmm. Like the cool kids do this great thing where they start to rebel and then they go, like, "Oh man, my dad did this totally embarrassing thing." And I never want to grow up to be like him. But also, he takes care of me and loves me and respects me. And so, I guess I should keep doing what I'm doing and let him do what he's doing. Because, really, we're just doing what's best for each other. And it's like, that was your rebellion? You were
1: the most peaceful kids ever. Yeah. And if you notice, all, like, the really violently, like, bad people reside outside of beach City like uh Marty for example he's he's not in Beach City he's he's out out elsewhere we're just being being a bad guy keep beach City cool indeed so I I think the sense of community within Beach City help, helps out the fact that everyone's so so nice and stuff
0: absolutely it a line that stuck out with me for these characters is what sadie said of i wish that lars could see that these kids are cool not cool like he thinks but just cool because they're good people and i'm butchering that line but just that one i was like yeah they are super cool
1: people yeah and it's very, very much accentuated throughout, throughout this episode, and even in the like previous episodes where they're just hanging out with Steven. If, if we go back to that uh, episode where they're, where they find the spaceship and stuff.
0: Speaking of spaceships, we have a connection that we never picked up. What? Cartoon
1: networks invaded. Oh yes. What did you call it? the The endings were very sim similar to the the cutoff in endings of of those episodes. Uh, just
0: for context, for those of you that don't remember or weren't around, uh, in 2007, Cartoon Network did a event where each night a different show that was running at the time had an alien themed episode, and they were all supposed to be connected, and they were supposed to be like the same aliens invading even though it didn't really work out that way because some of them weren't actual aliens because it threw off their continuity. Uh, But it was Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Ed, Ed and Eddie, My Gym Partner is a Monkey, Camp Laszlo, and The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And they always kind of hinted at the aliens, but no one really straight up said yes, this is aliens until The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Yeah, yeah and you got a lot of the shadowy, looming figures over, and then the episode were cut. And that's just what that felt like to me immediately. It felt very, not nostalgic, but familiar.
1: Hmm. And also, like, it creates that ominous of just, like, oh, wait. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're going somewhere. Yeah, because, like, every every episode Would end pretty peacefully and stuff and just like oh well that didn't work out or okay that was the thing and then immediately once you see like that that figure and stuff you uh well figures you kind of just go like oh and the motion quickly has to change and then you have it's it's like um how how we viewed viewed Stein, Steinsgate and stuff where I told you to just like the stop at uh the the last episode of the first season. If you ever watch
0: Steinsgate listeners, stop after episode twelve and wait at least twenty four hours.
1: Yeah. Because like how those episodes are built it's just like <laughs> believe you with that suspense. Just like wait, 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 what? <laughs> and it catches you off off guard. Mhm. So that, that kind of shot, like, kind of established that established that feeling really well.
0: It also makes the connection of, hey, this is still a Steven Bum. Like, mm-hmm. drew it back in. And it reminds me... Gosh, we're getting too tangential, but it reminds me of something that happened in the Death of Superman comic. Mm. There was... Oh, gosh. Okay, in the early 90s, they did The Death of Superman. And again, I'm just explaining generalizations for uh, the uninitiated. And it was a crossover of several comic titles, one of which was Justice League. And in the Justice League, they were dealing with a character named Shadow Wind. And no one knew who he was or where he came from, but he was a part of the Justice League now, and no one trusted him. And in The Death of Superman... If you buy it now, of like a trade paperback volume of just like the whole story collected, that aspect of Shadow Wind is still there, but you never get the conclusion. You get the implied theme, the implied answer right before the conclu- the conclusion was made because it was made outside of the death of Superman, but you don't get that answer. And I feel like the Aliens looming over. In well, th- yeah, the aliens looming over in invaded are very similar to what our shadowy figures are in this, because it is showing something that after time has passed, people will have to look and go, okay, what was this connected to? If anyone watches The Good Lars as a standalone thing, they'll think it's an afterthought. Oh yeah, they never answered that but i don't think it drives the story enough for it to be a necessary thing outside of the steven bombs initial premiere
1: oh yeah and it'll be a bit bit weird to like watch these episodes out of order or or something like that just like without the full con- context but the episode so segments before for that will be fine and I, I find that will, will be kind of weird. It'll either be a, like, hey, I need to watch watch all of this, or what was that? <laughs> right. And,
0: and again, going back to comics, because, you know, that's all I'm good for. Uh, it is a situation of you don't need it for the story, but then you think afterwards, like, oh, I guess I should look that up, huh? Or you yeah. just don't think about it. I know a lot of people who read The Death of Superman don't actually care about Shadowwind. And a lot of them are like, oh yeah, I forgot all about him. I don't want (laughs) to reveal it just because someone might be invested in a 20-year-old comic, but also it's hard to skip in a podcast, so. Don't look at the screen. Jonathan, do you mind putting up a text thing? Yeah. Alright, so that's what that is. You can look at your... uh, Screens again if you got that out. Sorry for the delay, but I wanted people who didn't want to actively look up that information to have that information. I won't reference it again. Don't worry.
1: So, uh, any any closing thoughts on the episode? It was a wonderful
0: standalone story. There needs to be more involving Sadie. There needs to be more involving the cool kids. They don't necessarily have to be together, but I like them as plot points. Sadie should absolutely sing more, and everyone should go play Night in the Woods if you like this episode.
1: Hmm. Uh, how long are they going to tease the Sadie's lars relationship thing? Because, like, it's kind of just, like, it's not even the thing of just, like, will they, won't they. It's just, like, it's already already established like what who who doesn't know lars <laughs> who doesn't know you and Sa- sadie are are going out like <laughs> you don't even need to finish
0: that sentence <laughs> well jonathan to answer that question they're gonna wait one more episode confused transition time the fantastic Welcome, everybody, to episode four of five. Are you my dad? Whoa. Jonathan, do you want to do the uh, plot synopsis?
1: Sadie didn't come back. Lars didn't come back. Everybody didn't come back.
0: <laughs> Steven's going to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Quick version Steven realizes that his friends didn't come back, onions missing, the mailman never showed up with his khakis, which was never a resolved plotline. All uh, oh, that piled up mail! <laughs> and he goes looking. He finds Sadie's mom, who just thinks, oh, Sadie's an adult, she's out with her boyfriend. There's the answer to that. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, they are looking around, and then Steven comes across.
1: He comes across, uh, wait, are we, are we revealing the, the two new people? Jonathan, Jonathan. Yeah?
0: This is the part where you say Aquamarine and Topaz.
1: Oh. Uh, re- Marie, the, the wise, and, and Tupaz. runs into
0: Marie Antoinette and Tupac.
1: Well, Tupac does (laughs) Kind of does Does them justice a bit But yeah, Aquaman, Marie, and Topaz The villains The
0: aliens, funny enough We're not getting too far away from Invaded Uh Mind if I start off With my before viewing notes? Sure For Are You My Dad, I wrote Here comes the plot Do 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 and then we're probably going to meet our shadows. This will probably be a two-parter with the next episode, I Am My Mom, just because of the parallels of the titles. Also, someone is probably going to be asking Steven this, rather than Steven asking it to somebody, because he's very affirmed in the fact that Greg is his dad. I was right on every account. <laughs> I worry about I... the plot predictability of the Steven bomb.
1: This is you call it. I didn't think about it too too hard uh what you call it I thought it was I thought the whole my dad thing was uh what you call it uh freaking a doc doctor who joke and I was just like ah haha and then freaking uh I was like "These, these are the people kidnapping people why and then awkward marie said oh a connie and then i was just like okay she obviously know, knows all all of steven's friends and she's referring to Steve, steven's dad right i
0: <clears throat> during watching it i already knew that my dad was gonna be greg mm. like the second that i was like oh it's only people steven knows cool then my dad is greg and then I thought about it. I was like, oh, did Stephen must have listed off his friends and family to somebody at some point." And he did to Paradot.
1: Yeah, which they had to like reel that back hard <laughs> because even I didn't remember that. I was just like, "Oh, yeah, that that did happen."
0: <laughs> I just looked at it and thought, "Oh yeah, Paradot was tall when she was a villain."
1: Yep, yeah, with all her like gear and stuff. Now she's a that little Dorito gremlin. <laughs> Did
0: you say Dorito gremlin?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> she has has this shape of Dorito and she's a gremlin. <laughs> Why is everyone in Steven Universe compared to Chips? <laughs> There's the Cheeto Puff, the, the Dorito gremlin. <laughs>
0: Uh, sour cream and onion yeah <laughs> good gosh okay uh, I wonder if the whole Peridot being shortened part of the shorty crew was a planned thing or if it was just something they made as the plot advanced
1: uh, on how Peridot was created uh, Rebecca Sugar said it was a team team effort Mm -hmm. so i think it was the thing that that was like added in as the the story progressed because when you have like collaborative of uh what you call it who is this villain stuff you're not gonna know right off the back every every detail i think Mm -hmm. they had the base details of when she was a like a villain and then when she's brought on to uh onto the team when she got gets captured. So I I I think it it was a developmental thing. Okay, fair enough.
0: So, anyway, uh we meet Aquamarine who's uh magic wand wielding little Lalita gem and topaz who's basically a giant uh silent gem that can split itself in two
1: yes that people have compared to looking like a jojo character <laughs> you say
0: that but to- i wrote my notes topaz straight up reminds me of robnos from zatch bell now, there's Rob-Nos. a reference. Uh, Robnos was a villain character that was only in, I believe, one or two episodes. Real short section in the manga. Uh, Robnos had... Well, he was a robot character that, when he fights uh, Zatch or Gash, uh, he is perceived to be immortal and like can't be hurt. He's impervious to damage. But then they find out that there's just two of him. And that he can split himself in two. And that the one getting the snot beat out of him just jumped off into the uh, rubble of the fight while the other one fought.
2: Hmm.
0: But yeah, that's an obscure reference for like two people who watched Toonami in the early 2000s. and I don't even think we got to Rome, no?
1: Sad, sad. But... Yeah, uh, what'd you call it? We were introduced to that villain, villain team, and, yeah, uh, I feel like there, this is a, a big trope being played on, like the, the proper leader of the group, it, it's the brains and in, in the brawn type, type of duo.
0: The freak, the mighty, the borf major, for people who remember that reference that kind of situation it's very yeah. common uh can i read you two notes that i had go for it the first well i'll make it three notes just to get this out of the way uh the episode gave off incredibly strong invaded vibes from hmm. the cartoon network thing it was just oh there's a mystery and everything's ominous and creepy and we're basically setting a stage for the aliens of the plot to show up oh here they are but also, I said, and these are two that I wanted to read you. Also, Blue Dora is mean. So, yeah. I called her Blue Dora. And the second one was, The villain scene was so shown in anime that it hurt. Now Steven and Connie are going to spend 180 episodes trying to save Onion, with all but like 45 of them being filler arc. And in the end, series is just going to be over, and no one will have bothered to look if Onion was ever
1: saved. Gosh, wait—is—is is Onion Orihime or is—is is he like Sasuke? Onion is orahime. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for picking up on that.
0: I just like—I swear—if there's an episode dedicated to Steven and Connie running throughout Beach City, I'm done. Okay, gosh. That's an actual episode of Bleach. I don't know where it falls in the filler arc, but it's somewhere, guys. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the whole. Did I write that in the next one? Yeah, okay. I'll talk about that when I get there. Uh, but the whole thing felt very much like anime tropish. Of like, haha, we are the secret villain team. And now we're taking you to season two. I mean, to another location. We're, ta- we're taking you to season two
1: because this was actually the <laughs> actually the season finale, season five. Then, yeah. So, well, this this episode wasn't. I think it was the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Next it was episode. two Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, these these villains kind of like close close out the season season for it and then we'll get the the actual like new conflict in the next ep- next uh episode after the next episode of Dragon Ball Z yeah but I I think uh the shonen likeness of the the episode is very intentional mm-hmm. Uh, um, a lot of anecdotes anime nerds work work on the series right like we we talk about about a lot sometimes that there's uh like cowboy bebop re- references and uh, Akira references and all, all that jazz so definitely if if there is like an anime feeling in in this episode it's intentional
0: yeah yeah <clears throat> I was curious your thoughts about it in terms of just how it fe- how it falls into place within the Steve Bomb itself, being our resident anime expert. How did you just feel that the scene fit, the villain reveal fit into the five episodes that we saw, keeping in mind that they've been teased for the last three? I don't know,
1: uh... Within it I think it wasn't enough of a light bulb. Mm hmm. Because like I don't know, finally getting getting there it doesn't feel like Oh gosh, that's what this has all has been leading up to. It's just like, oh okay. These are the, are the new villains. Right. Like they I don't I like the episodes but i don't think they tied in to this enough to like make me feel like okay the suspense since finally paid off or we're getting new villains like uh, when we were <coughs> actually like when we were uh volunteering this this saturday i heard some people talk talk about it and it was just like there's two two new gyms and i was just like what and I was swiftly encouraged not to jump into other people's conversations, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I heard heard that, and I was just like, oh, okay, these these are new new gems. Hmm. So, I don't know. I, I felt like it could have been more imp- implemented into to the series a bit more, but at the same time, I like how disconnected it felt. From those episodes, mm-hmm. just because like I like those episodes just the way they are, but they're not good tie-ins. <laughs> right. So I, if that makes any sense, I got you.
0: It didn't feel like it was a strong enough connection to be a big reveal.
1: Yeah. It. Like going back to that flashback of a paradox. I I was just like Oh, uh Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can accept it. It's here, whatever. Yeah. And, and it would have been more nice at those up ep- at the end of those episodes, you get like, are you my my dad? And then something indicating like them saying saying their name.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, I've got something to propose to you, and then I want to make another comparison to Invaded. Mm. During each episode that's going on in the Steven Bomb, a character disappears. So the end reveal, rather than being shadows, could be, like... For the first episode, it could be... Uh, Mailman, whose name I forget. Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. Him or... Jamie. Jamie. Jimmy Kudo. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) Jimmy Kudo delivering the mail and then getting grabbed. And then in Dugout, it's Onion getting grabbed at the theme park after Doug, Connie, and Stephen leave. And in The Good Lars, it's Lars getting grabbed.
1: Oh, also... Breaking news, uh what'd you call it? Uh Line four alternate ending was actually a standalone episode. Was it really? Yes, uh it came out like March. Oh, I missed it. Well, you guys got a little bonus thing. Sorry. Yeah. But there's still still enough to talk about it within within those because they they do kinda incorporate like you've been through a lot, Steven. <laughs> But, yeah. Then just take my theory and just shift people down. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, I feel like even, even that would have, like, done a lot better than this. Mm Hmm. Because I just, I just didn't feel enough, enough of of a tie. I, I wanted more, more mystery. And there wasn't a lot of it. Yeah. Right.
0: Now, connecting it back to Invaded, because I feel like Invaded is a good comparison to not only the past methods of doing cross-storyline overarching stories, but it's also kind of a nice look at how Cartoon Network presents things. Mm -hmm. Uh, A big fault that I felt Invaded had when it came on was that each series clearly was telling their own story and they just happened to lump in a theme that no definitive rules were given for the aliens in Invaded because in Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, and I'm about to do a lot of spoilers for one episode of five series, everybody uh, the reveal is that Cheese is supposed to be the alien in Ed Ed Nettie the reveal I believe is that there are no aliens Mm -hmm. in oh gosh what happened after that back to my notes
1: Camp Laszlo
0: yeah Camp Laszlo they had different alien no Jim partner is a monkey my Jim partner was a monkey it was a python that flew across the uh, sky and everyone just assumed it was aliens because they're animals Mm -hmm. Laszlo had actual aliens and then Grimm did the whole alien thing all out but everyone's version of the aliens were different. And it felt as though the storyline was more invested in maintaining their version of things. Like Ed and Eddie being a realistic show. They can't have aliens just showing up. Because it breaks their continuity. In fosters, again, a very realistic show in which the only weird creatures are literally imaginary they can't have aliens breaking their continuity but it can be fun to hint at and just loosely connect at the end mm. uh in Jim partner again a show that has very specific rules where if we throw aliens in the mix it just adds a whole another level that's not going to be touched again and it adds a seriousness to the show that was never meant to exist and then Laszlo and Grimm did it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, but I feel like that was kind of what happened here with these stories in that they felt as though they were written and then just had the alien thing tacked on as a loose connection. Yeah. Like, someone wrote out all of the good Lars and then someone said, but then Lars didn't skip the party. He was kidnapped. And then they're like, oh, okay, Lars was kidnapped, sure, whatever. I feel like
1: the good Lars actually had had like grounds for a good setup though. Right. And would you call it? Even like uh Dugout had, had a good get it set up because it was just like, wait a minute. If un if Onion did this thing then we don't have to worry about it but it wasn't Onion but they didn't really set up for it not to be Onion
0: <laughs> right and that's
1: what I'm saying is it felt like
0: it was storylines that just had it put in as an afterthought yeah like I could very easily see cruuniverse putting out the same dugout story but the answer is it's Onion because it's always Onion yeah. If a crime ever happens in Beach City, you can bet every buck you have that it was
1: Onion that did it. Oh, what did you call it? That that was a fun fun thing in this episode as well, just like, did you did you check his favorite vending machine? <laughs> just like him being in the vending machine, just de- stealing stuff from it. That that picture is wonderful.
0: Also his weird room is his office.
1: Yes. Lord. I that's, still
0: don't like Onion. Onion makes me uncomfortable. That's fair. Also, I didn't touch on it earlier, but uh, Sour Cream calls Yellow Tell Yellow Dad now, and that's adorable. Yeah. But yeah, it just. The episode felt like it was an
1: undeserved plot point. Yeah. They didn't really like make you work for it and it was just kind of like it was given and then uh it was kind of like a like a fake out because you're just like oh aqua is just this naive gym looking for oh no she's she's a mastermind well of course she is yeah but just like why even go through the are you my my dad thing
0: legitimately when she started doing that i wrote down in my notes i forgot homeworld is full of racist aliens <laughs> like the second that she opened her mouth i was like homeworld wouldn't send a innocent little kid this is one of those fake outs this is a tatsumaki from one punch man i don't i don't i don't buy it it just yeah. it, i get that the show's a Y7 show it's younger audience all that but it just it wasn't a deserved fake out it's been done too much yeah yeah. I I feel that now had she done something like go are you my dad and he's like oh it's a little girl and then she just like straight up smacks Steven in the face Mm. that would have been fine but just the fact that she tried to play the sweet innocent angle it does I don't know it doesn't make sense yeah And I mean, think think about it from a character standpoint as well, that Aquamarine straight up addresses that, oh, the job is so important, oh gosh, important that they had to send an Aquamarine to do the job, which means in Homeworld, they identify Aquamarines as efficient, effective soldiers, right? Yeah, so, why would she go to this planet and then go, look at me, I'm cute,
1: when her home environment doesn't see her that way? Exactly. Uh, she can And even the Crystal gems Shrink Out is just like, Aquamarine? <laughs> oh, exactly. Gosh. So, why
0: do that cutesy angle for the fake-out? It's not
1: a yeah, genuine see?
0: story thing. It's just a thing for the audience.
1: Yeah. Uh, like, even... Navy was a good fake out because what'd you call it? Rubies are grunt workers. Oh my it, gosh, they did it with
0: Navy. I yeah,
1: that was like five episodes ago. Yeah, it's too it's, soon to pull that again. Exactly, but it worked with Navy because what'd you call it? You were just like, hey, none of these like Rubies were actually smart enough to pull off anything. So why would we have anything to worry about? But Akamari is like, "Oh, I'm I'm so posh and I have a large fo- vocabulary and this mission is so easy. And I'm held so high in regard." You, you you don't need to do the like I I'm dumb and cute thing.
0: Absolutely agreed. There's no there's no organic storytelling reason for it. It was something for the audience, and I feel like it detracts from the overall plot that they had with the Stephen bomb. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry to get cynical, but audience fake-out red herrings are one of my biggest
1: writing pet peeves. Mm-hmm. And again, they they had an episode where they, they did this well. This was not one, one of them.
0: Yeah, and I got more of a connection when Navy did it as well. Cause I was like this is a character I know, and this is a character that was sweet and cute before. And when Steven goes, yeah, the Crystal Gems have a pilot. I was excited. I was like, yeah, Crystal Gems gonna do Cowboy Bebop now. And then she just goes, hey, press that button. I want to show you something cool. I'm like, okay, uh, that that's not good. What's happened? Oh, okay, there she goes. Hmm. And it's just like God, that was that was a good fake. I, it was predictable, but it still tugged at something.
1: Yeah, and what you call it? Like there's more of an emotion, like established with with it. Well, this one, even with like the whole whole thing of just like oh maybe she's she's a gem like you, Steven. There are and, no gems like Steven. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we built a, a little house for crabs. <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, just even that pool was kind of just like, why was this needed to be be done? Just for that, like fake out of like maybe there's another human slash gem hybrid. Nope. It, yeah, it's it was she's, just like very meh. She's blue, Jonathan. Yeah, that ship is way sailed. Yeah. Also, interesting new new weapon type with the little uh stasis ray. The magic wand thing? Yeah. I call it a stasis ray because like when they put stuff in the stasis, just like suspended motion.
0: Yeah. That I I don't know. Okay. Another cause I like rewriting stuff, give her mystique powers. Hmm. Make her a little girl with normal like flesh tones for Steven. And she's looking for her dad, and then it's revealed that she's a gem. Oh yeah, like that would she definitely just work like more. shape shifts down, and like her little bow turns into a magic wand, and she's just like, "You've led me exactly to who I need. Blue Diamond will be so pleased to have." And then it takes a pause. Aquamarine deliver to her the human gems which she so desires. It's like, oh, oh crap, Steven.
1: Good job, buddy. Yeah and it's more a surprise that that way because then at least we can establish a connection with the character and then but no it was literally just like oh wait okay we're meeting this character oh okay it's that immediately established as a villain
0: ooh another idea put their shadows on top of each other yeah so aquamarine looks like topaz's head and then you meet Topaz, you think, "Oh, that's the villain." But then Aquamarine transforms, flies up, and sits on top of a- Topaz, and you're like, "Oh, no, wait, that's the villain."
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, very much. You already know that they're they're villains,
0: <laughs> and it's still obvious. Like, no one would would have been. Uh, shocked by ours either but i just think it would have made better sense as a story as a whole
1: yeah and it it creates that click and you're just like what is that that shape i don't i don't know what that is and then you see it and you're just like oh okay that's what we we're seeing this whole time and even do like a ju- like a cut uh,
0: from looking at, at down at steven and the shadow of the two or looming over him and you're like oh that's the shadow i
1: yeah. don't know
0: i feel, I feel like it could have been done better
1: definitely compared to the other episodes this one is kind of like yeah. and there's double as much of this one cause
0: we still gotta talk about part two
1: the bits
0: oh we didn't do closing thoughts at that
1: homie we, we talked a lot about that okay and also well, this is a two part episode so what'd you call it yep. It, it would be better to clo- close on, on the full thing.
0: Okay, well then my last note for Are You My Dad is Garnet drawing herself and saying, I like me is something you would do in real life.
1: Wait, what? Where the oh, drawing yeah, sketches like
0: of Aquamarine. And it's just, it's just Garnet, you drew you. And Garnet's going, I like me. <laughs> Perfect. So anyway, confused bits going on to I am my mom. All caps. The Bits. Please leave it just like that unedited of just us still talking about it after. Yeah, that's just... fair. All right. I am my mom, all caps. Uh, I'm going to make this one quick for my before viewing notes because I have a lot of gripes. Uh, this is going to be unfulfilling plot advancement. Aquamarine will prove to be a season two bridge character villain of unimportance. Topaz won't talk. Steven will save everyone. The Crystal Gems won't get involved in any major way. And there will be an important Steven Grove scene where he probably says, I am my mom.
1: Yeah. I'm not my dad. I'm my mom. (laughs) Steven, if anybody else said that, it'd be creepy and
0: schizophrenic. But not you, buddy. Not you. (laughs) Gosh. Those are my before viewing notes. Uh, Aquamarine, I feel like... The whole time I was watching her, I, I got the vibe of... You're an unimportant filler character villain. While the actual main villain that's on the box of this anime I've put in this DVD player... Is getting ready to do their thing
1: yeah there's not much character to behind uh Awkward Marine.
0: yeah uh and again to make a connection to Zatch Bell because I just love talking about early 2000s Toonami shows there was a the way the villains worked out the first one was the Lord Oz Zophis mm. uh and they defeat her him I think it was a him voiced by a girl was him, I think. I may have that backwards. But uh, Zophis gets knocked out. And then... Uh, and it's weird because the game and, like, the anime and everything, they go straight to Xeno slash Xeon. Uh, Zatch slash Gash's uh, anti-reverse-looking self. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole arc... In between Zophis and Zeno of a guy named Leo and Leo is the most forgettable dude in all of history because he sets up a whole thing then he gets defeated and Zeno literally just picks up his plan and continues it like he keeps all the guards all the henchmen he keeps everything exactly the same but now he's holding the detonator switch and that's yes. what I felt like Aquamarine is she's going to get everyone up there then something's going to happen and then the real villain will show up.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, what do you call it? We, we get Steven saving the d- day a bit by sacrificing himself. By being his mom. Yes. Rose quartz, and then did you call it? Yeah. So, escape attempt one didn't work, and then he just goes like, "I'm turning myself self in to Homeworld. And yeah, uh, didn't have really much to say about this episode other than just like, yeah, Steven save, saves Dame. Okay. Let's let's get ready for for the big big cataclysm that's gonna be the the next isn't. Also, I saw saw a bit of the next ep- well the preview that that they put out for the next ep- episode. So if if you want to talk about that, then I I can. If not, we shall hold hold off until that episode comes out and we do a podcast about that one. Uh, let's get all our thoughts out for
0: this one. Yeah, just so the people that don't want to have any spoilers can feel satisfied with this episode, and then listen to it as an afterthought if they want the
1: afterthought. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, that's essentially my my thoughts. Okay. Uh, everyone, everyone's just like, "Yay! Thanks for saving the Steven." And then would the you call it? Steven goes like oh I didn't save everyone. <clears throat> I have to turn myself in. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's an episode. It's the end of season up.
0: two of Rick and Morty.
1: Yeah. But again, no emotional attachment.
0: <laughs> right. Uh for my notes for this one, my after viewing notes, uh I already said Aquamarine was totally season two transition villain. Mm-hmm. I wrote onion can talk to topaz and apparently swan dive, and I said, "Hey, look, the gems hardly got involved." Another, yeah. and what bugged me in this, another thing that uh, anime does that I don't like, and I'll use be- uh, oh gosh, I'll use Bleach as an example here, uh, where they present a powerful character and then top that powerful character to make another character seem more powerful.
1: Oh, would you call it That's that is a base base shonen problem. Yeah. Would you call it freaking Dragon Ball Z su- supers having problems with that that now? Uh, essentially what you're you're talking about is the power level dilemma. Once you you create like levels of power for each each opponent it starts becoming ridiculous on how you have the stack 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 uh, the villains up the only way you you can avoid doing this is everyone's on the same plank playing field but their fighting styles are different so that's you have have to figure out around around that but if you just build it up by this this villain is super powerful And only one person can stop it. That, like, narrows down everyone else's power level, rendering those those characters useless.
0: (coughs) Right. And they did it in Bleach 2, where they had, uh, I don't remember the names of them, the entities that were a hundred souls or a thousand souls or whatever at the beginning. And Mm. Ichigo's the rukia comments i've never seen somebody defeat one of these things single-handedly and you did it but then they get to the soul society and everything happens and then everyone's just knocking those things out left and right like they're nothing yeah uh oh did it as well where they literally had to do a thousand plus one attack points for a character wait what well uh and i don't remember which arc it is a villain gets a infinite amount of life points. I said a thousand oh, yeah. infinite. And so Yugi literally goes, Well this is my monster, it has infinity plus one. Mm. And that's how they win. And I was like, okay. That that's just silly. You've got an Exodia. They can't. It got water damaged.
1: Was there only one Exodia? I yeah. Oh no, what'd no. you call it? There was there a There was straight who... up
0: a character point of a dude who had Exodia.
1: Yeah, and he had like dozens of Exodias in, in his deck and he's super cheating.
0: I think that... Was that a GX plotline? I feel like that was a GX plotline.
1: Oh no, it was Battle City.
0: Good gosh, Battle City. <laughs>
1: so there's obviously other copies of Exodia.
0: Anime angst aside... It makes for weird writing because Alexandrite just got frozen. I was like, oh, great. So now we're going to get Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan level Steven.
1: Cool. I didn't want that. Awesome. Sidebar, that's been shortened to Super Saiyan Blue.
0: I like the other version better. It makes you certain that they know they made a mistake.
1: See... But Super Saiyan Blue is because everyone kept saying Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan... And then you're just like, you know what, we need a shorter version of this, Super Saiyan Blue. No, you you live with your mistake. (laughs) You live with your mistake.
0: You bring in the Destroyer characters, you have to live with the fight of immortal beings and the clash of gods. I don't but, care if it takes ten minutes out of a twenty minute episode to say a title, you're doing it.
1: I just like the fact that they, that they addressed it and they were just like, Yeah, we, we need need to change the name for this because this is getting really hard to say.
0: And this plot of gems fu- the three fusions being stopped by one gem is getting ridiculous. It's getting yeah. hard to swallow. Also, Lars is still totally on the ship. Yep. That was just my last point that I had. I also said that the I'm my mom line was super well delivered, though totally contrived.
1: Mm. Also, if I can say that's that's all the, all the uh, preview was, it was just like... Oh, I... We're gonna be so happy when when we get you to the planet. I'm gonna get a commendation, and then just like, oh yeah, Lars is also still here. And then Steven's like, what? And then it cuts.
0: Well, there's that spoiler, everybody.
1: <laughs> well, no, we we already it, talked about Lars still being on the ship, so. Was just but like, that yeah. was
0: just a theory, a gem theory. Thanks for watching.
1: Dun 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 dun. Anyway, yeah,
0: uh, this whole plot felt kind of weak. I felt disengaged, and we're coming up on two hours, so you want to hit the final marks and then we can rank and get out of here.
1: Yeah. Uh, All what'd right. you call it? Essentially, oh, were, were we do? Did we need to make a transition for this one as well?
0: No, just do your final remarks for I am my mom and are you my dad and then we can uh, just go to
1: our ratings and do a transition there. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, this, These two episodes are kind of just like, yeah, we're gonna set up the bigger thing.
0: <laughs> no, it, it, it's the big one, we promise.
1: Yeah, it, it's very much like Hey. You Steven's gonna con- confront a thing that's not these two villains. And and you very well know that through, while going through those two episodes, you're just like, okay. Obviously, they're not not there to fight. Because even like Oh, uh, Aquamarine's weapon is seemingly like unstoppable. So you're just like, okay, they're not, they're they're not gonna fight Aquamarine. <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> yeah. I I want someone to draw a picture,
0: and if anyone's still listening to this and has artistic ability, please do this, and I'll be sure it gets featured on the channel of Aquamarine and Topaz like, standing with their arms out, trying to block Steven's view, just saying, no, no, of course this isn't a shark tank. Okay,
1: gosh. Because that's what it feels like it's leading up to. Yeah. It it definitely feel, feels like there there was something bigger on, on the other side of these two. But it wasn't them. <laughs>
0: Definitely not them.
1: And that's, also, that's Topaz
0: and Onion can talk, so that's weird. Mur, mur, mur. Mur, 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 mur. <laughs> please let Topaz that just be Topaz's voice. They sound identical.
1: Hey gosh. Uh,
0: okay, so Jonathan, one more confused transition, if you please.
1: The bits
0: rankings Jonathan what would you say was your favorite episode of the Stephen
1: bomb uh I would say my fa- favorite was uh what you call it uh dugout just because I I really enjoyed uh like the relationship between between duck Doug and Connie and all all the goof, goofiness of, of the episode. While well, uh, my runner up being, being uh, what'd you call it? I I guess it's now obviously <laughs> uh the good Lars. So Yeah, it's very much the thing thing where I'm I'm just like, yeah, I like like the episodes that didn't include the the sh- shoehorn villains.
0: <laughs> Fair. What would you say is your least favorite episode?
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Samuel. The last two. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick one. <laughs> would you call it? Uh, I would say I am and my mom because it's even more of just like, yeah, this this big huge stand is cool. But, yeah, it's it's for <coughs> nothing. True, true. I would
0: say my favorite was The Good Lars, as I've already said, because it was such good character building and felt very natural to the environment that it was set in. And it had a lot of just lovable moments, like the glow sticks being thrown, it's the it excitement over the plates, and Sadie getting to sing again, which melts my heart. She's adorable. And, uh just generally good open welcoming atmosphere that's a good influence for the younger viewers my least favorite episode would be i am my mom because though it had uh some cool standalone moments that would work as like a clip on youtube or whatever the episode itself felt very shallow and pedantic in terms of i've seen this episode done a million times already and when i'm getting so few steven universe episodes back to back in uh release I'd rather have something I haven't seen a million times
1: yeah I feel that
0: like at this when this episode was going I was just like and this happens and this happens and this happens and oh look my phone has Facebook and so I just sat and did that
1: yeah I think I might like fast forward a little little bit because it was kind of like uh I I know what's going to happen here. It's a bit of a struggle. And then they're going to get off the ship. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And You know what's really weird is we've already seen this plot before, too. With the last even bomb with the zoo.
1: Oh, yeah. But, again, they do it better there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like... It's not like they don't know how to do these.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're setting up good stuff. We just didn't see it yet. And I'm sure when we look back reflectively, this will look better than it does now.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I guess. I I, I just rather see, like, it get to the setup for the big thing than just, like, this was a lead up to the setup. (laughs) Right.
0: I don't know. You know what? <clears throat> it even would make sense if Steven just didn't leave Homeworld, because now we've seen it and kind of removes the mystery of it. Yeah.
2: Uh...
1: <laughs> Again, it's it's a thing that's kind of like bittersweet, where it's just like, I really like these episodes. I don't want want anything to go where it's just like, yeah, these episodes weren't necessary because I felt like they kind of were. They're necessary for establishing more things within within those characters. Mm -hmm. If anything, I just didn't think the setup was necessary. If you're gonna take us on a ride to, like, the next big thing, show us the next big thing at the end of of the season, just don't let us, like, go, like, okay the setup true
0: that true that overall I'd say this was a fine Steven bomb Uh, gripes aside for the kind of half done ending I feel like this one gave us a lot uh, stronger standalone episodes than what we've gotten in the past and I feel like when looking back, I will be more likely to rewatch this Steven Bomb than some of the previous ones.
1: Oh, yeah I I feel like uh the Steven Bomb had had great episodes, but had bad ties. Because uh even with the the other Steam Steven, Steven Bombs where it wasn't completely like um, uh, like character, 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 character with small, small tie-ins. There's still like tiny t- tie-ins within like the character episodes. It's just like, hey, Steven had a bad, bad dream about uh, what you call it, lapis, or hey, this thing's going, going to ha- happen now. Paradox called, called for the home ship, and so on and so so forth. I I felt like it could have done, done better in that regard, but I still still enjoyed watching watching the episodes.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I agree with
0: those sentiments. So Jonathan, any closing thoughts on this Stephen bomb as we wrap up this podcast? Uh what'd
1: you call it Bingo Bongo. Bingo
0: Bongo, buddy. Alright everybody, we gave you our bits. Now give us yours in the comments down below. Tell us what you thought of the Steven Bomb. Tell us what we got right, what we got wrong. Or anything that you think we need to cover next time. From Homeworld to Beach City and all the Cosmos in between, this has been The Bits, a Steven Universe podcast.
1: Whoa, The
0: Bits. There you go. Force that enthusiasm. Be sure to like the video, guys. Subscribe to Something About Geek Stuff for all your nerdy needs. I've been Sam. Yeah, I've been Jonathan. And I think I need to go save my co-host. Are you alright, buddy?
1: Uh, was was I not facing the mic when I said that? And, and I've been Jonathan. <laughs> uh, good night, everybody.
0: Bye.